it's, uh, was one of those things that I tell people it was not based on luck. You know, if you want something in this world, I believe that you don't need to put all of your eggs in one basket and hoping that you're going to be lucky. I believe you can create your own luck. Welcome to the Passion to Brand podcast, a show of real stories from people who turned their passions into thriving brands through social media. I'm Brett Johnson, founder of Passion to Brand. And I'm Dale Schaefer, founder of DaleSchaefer.com. On the show today, how Mac Candy turned his passion for world travel into the well-known brand World Nomac. I want everyone to take a second to think of a content creator you wish you could meet and talk to. Who's that one person you've seen on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or really any social platform that seems very much like a celebrity to you? For me, that was Mac Candy. I was introduced to Mac in the summer of 2021 and have been following his journey around the world for the past several months. What makes Mac so special to me is his mission behind his travels. He wants to change our perspective and our perception of the countries he visits. He sees the true beauty throughout the world and uses YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram to share this journey. But just like every content creator, he too has quite a unique story that got him to where he is today. So I was born in Chicago, uh, specifically in the downtown area. And after about five years, my family and I moved up to a small city. Actually, probably a lot of people know of this city from recent events. It's called uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. I lived there until I was about 17 years old and growing up. I wasn't as much of a sports kid. A lot of people, I guess maybe sometimes when I talk on camera, people think that I'm into sports because I sometimes might sound like an announcer. But actually, surprisingly, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I wasn't as big into sports as most people imagine. And actually, while I was growing up, I was really into skateboarding. I definitely wasn't the best one on the squad or the crew with my friends. So you know what that meant? It meant I was the guy filming. That's where the camera all started way, way back when. Although I didn't really have any intentions except to make a couple of uh, DVDs to share with my friends. That's funny because I would have guessed too, Mac. I mean, even you know, definitely you do have an announcer voice and obviously with your, your daily vlogs now and, and, you know, um, you know, just uh, being on the camera all the time, that would make sense, but it's also your build too. I mean, you have a build of, you know, of, of being an athlete as well. So that's, uh, it's funny that, uh, that you said athletics was not, uh, was, was not a primary activity for you. And basically as I like transitioned through, uh, middle school into high school, you know, I kind of, at that point started to move away from skateboarding. I kind of had my eyes on college while I was in high school. I just one day woke up in my junior year rates at winter break. And I was like, I am going to figure out how I can graduate high school a year early. So basically I was taking a year and a half's worth of school in one semester. So I was still getting the same education just at a faster rate. Now I moved through the whole process and about a week before graduation, the principal found out and said, that's not allowed, I guess, based on taxpayers' dollars going to a public school, you're only allotted a certain amount of credits. And mm. so uh, I, would, I had already finished all the credits though. So they actually let me still graduate and I finished high school in three years. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. That, that is what got me into college. So you're in, you're in college um, and, I, and I guess uh, studying, what was, what was the plan going into college? Like what was what was your career career aspiration at that point? You know, it's 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 quite funny because when I look back at this, I was like, that's such a different mindset back then. But when I mm -hmm. first joined uh, the university, so my first year, first semester, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do criminal justice because I had seen the movie SWAT and I was like, those guys look like badass. 
Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And basically actually like one semester, I was like, you know what? Actually, I'm not entirely certain I want to do that. And I kind of just stayed undecided until I studied in Spain and did like an international business program kind of halfway through my uh, college days. And so at that point, then I was like, you know what? Maybe I want to focus a bit more on the international side of things, focus a bit more on the business side of things. And maybe by the end of college, I would figure out what my next steps would be. So you you went to Spain uh, at what point? That was... Basically, in between the two universities, I went to University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee for two years. And then my first semester of my junior year, which would be fall 2012, I went and studied abroad in Sevilla, Spain, southern part of Spain. And I studied international business there for one semester. And while I was there, actually, just a few days before I left to Spain, my brother was like, why don't you go ahead and apply for the University of Medicine? I'll pay for your application. And I was like, all right, deal. So he paid for it. And <laughs> while I was in Spain, I, I got accepted. So I was, I was quite excited to make that transition because I, I knew it would be a really good step for my, you know, my academics and my opportunities. And um, it was interesting, you know, the, the first week or two, I was surrounded with a new set of people, you know, a new set of, you know, as they say that you're influenced by the seven people, six people you spend the most time with, surround yourself with. And very quickly, you know, I was around individuals that also loved travel, even though none of us really knew that much about travel. We were just all like, yes, we're study abroad students and we're now within the legal drinking age. Let's see what this place is all about. <laughs> and so we all became like really close friends. And so over the next uh, three or four months or so, we traveled to, I think, a total of eight different countries around Western Europe, as well as a uh, study abroad trip, basically uh, defined by the university we were going to over there, over to Morocco. So kind of a cultural immersion trip. And it really broke down so many barriers and it kind of unlocked something. And I'm, I'm speaking for all of my uh, study abroad classmates as well, like something in us that was like, there's so much more outside of the borders of our own countries. And there's, you know, so many connections and experiences and ways to break down stereotypes that just totally changed our lives in ways that it's almost hard to even imagine. And so I'm a huge advocate for people that are considering studying abroad because not everyone has the influence of a traveler in their family or someone that, you know, can push them to see parts of the world, to change their perspective, to kind of change their ideology that, you know, you involuntarily get as you grow up within one specific country. And on the challenging side, you know, looking back, I, I can't think of that many challenges I had, except probably one of the harder ones was a language barrier between myself and my host mom. So I definitely recommend people who live with a host family. The challenge is if you're not fluent in the language and you want to have a little bit more in-depth conversations. I was going through a hard time uh, with a girlfriend at the time that came to visit me. And, you know, things just weren't working out. One of those breakup stories from a younger day. And I was trying to explain it to my host mom. And it was just very challenging trying to explain to her some of, like, the, the things going on in my head. And, and so, like, the language barrier got me a couple times, hmm. as well as just some of the times you don't always necessarily like the food, but you got to figure out a way to navigate around it while being polite. And so, so some of those things of just kind of, like, maintaining a, a proper relationship without uh, you know, accidentally insulting a culture is when you need to really focus on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's totally, totally true. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I could totally see how that, uh, that would be 
um, yeah, that would be a, a difficult situation. So let's let's go. Uh, I guess go go to uh, fast forward a little bit. You 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 come back to the U.S. Right, you're still uh, presumably, I guess, still still in college and and pursuing your your business degree. What did the? I guess you, you come back. You have a completely changed uh, perspective on on what international travel looks like. Um, but I guess you come back and you're still immersed in in the college life and getting that degree. What did what did life look like? You know following that trip and, and, you know, once you had graduated from college, like what, what did you pursue at that point? Yeah, definitely. So as, as soon as I finished the semester in Spain, I, that's when the itch for travel lived inside of me. And maybe one detail I, I'll briefly share that also during that time while I was studying abroad, I had a digital camera, a small little like pocket digital camera that my dad gave me right before leaving. And I decided to make a couple montages, maybe four or five, maybe six videos total that were very basic edits, but I wanted to remember things a little bit more than, you know, just your typical set of, at that time, Facebook photos that you would post in the beginning of Instagram days. And so, yeah, moving on to after I got back from Spain, I could only think about travel. And then I remembered how much money I had in my pocket. And it was a uh, very large negative balance. From Yeah. And so I was like, well, responsibilities first, travel later. And so I had two, two more years at university and I was lucky. I, uh, one year later, I was able to work out a trip to visit my brother who was living in India uh, for his job at that time for about six months. And I made a trip over there for my 21st birthday to explore for a couple of weeks. And that kind of gave me that uh, one year later, uh, I guess, helped me with my itch for travel, let's say. I knew at that point, I was like, all right, I want to do a lot more traveling in my life, but I will be patient with it. And so I, as I got, got closer to graduating, I started to look into what I wanted to do in the corporate world. And to be quite honest with you, I didn't really know what to do. I was graduating with a marketing degree in business, and I figured that I would just kind of figure it out as I go and find a job that seemed appealing for a company. And so as I approached my last semester in December, as I approached my last month in December 2014, I did a couple job interviews and I landed on one uh, with a European grocery retailer by the name of Lidl. And at that time, it wasn't very convincing, I guess. My interview skills, they offered me a lower level. So they basically gave me, you know, your typical corporate world approach. We're going to offer you this lower package with the intent that maybe in a few months, you can go to Europe if we promote you. And I was like, <laughs> yes, let's do it. I'll take the lower salary. Let's move to this place in the Washington DC area, Northern Virginia area and, and do it. And so that's how I ended up at Lidl and going from basically the college life to Lidl. I wanted to hopefully get myself one step closer to traveling. Yeah. So I guess that was still the intent. I mean, you, you were going to, I mean, it was still in your mind that you were going to take this job with the intent that that would get you closer to this, this, uh, the travel passion that you have. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it would give me one step closer, but I, I know thinking back at that point, I probably had thought about, you know, what would it be like to be a YouTuber, but it was yeah. still quite early in terms of like where travel filmmaking was even evolving to. I think a lot of it was still like quite unknown that you could make money from traveling. Some, some of the early vloggers were starting to make a career out of it. And so it, it probably, you know, was on my mind. But at that time, it was more like I would like to take a period of time off and do some traveling when mm-hmm. I could afford it. Not as much like I want to make a career out of this. Yeah. 
And so, you know, I was still kind of in the same boat as I mentioned a little bit ago, which was, you know, I was at a negative balance. So I joined the corporate world and I was motivated. There's an opportunity to, you know, continue growing in this company while I stay here to make more money, get promoted, get more experience. And so I, I absolutely sprinted with that because I just saw the opportunity. And over the next uh, four and a half years, I got promoted uh, basically from like an entry level role all the way up to uh, what well, actually in the process of when I was quitting, I was going to be promoted to director from from like a business associate level. And so I, I made a lot of wow. strides, but it it's, uh, was one of those things that I tell people it was not based on luck. You know, if you want something in this world, I believe that you don't need to put all of your eggs in one basket and hoping that you're going to be lucky. I believe you can create your own luck. And hmm. I'm not entirely sure how I knew that at a young age, but I was always the first one in the office at like 6 a.m. And I was the last one out. And no matter what anyone told me what to do in terms of like my uh, superiors, I always was happy to do it. And I think mm -hmm. just being flexible and never looking at a task being below you is something that goes very far in many facets of life, but specifically in this example in, in the corporate world. And that's you know one thing I would share with anyone listening right now is if you can always put yourself in the shoes of who's the lowest level employee that uh, is in your company, in your organization, and be okay with doing the same tasks as them. It shows so much respect and the willingness to, you know, do whatever it is necessary to get the job done. That will make you not only a better leader, a better person, but also you'll also be more likely to move up in the company because of the extra efforts. You're right. That's good advice. Good advice, Mac. So you're, you're a dedicated employee. You're working long hours. Uh, you're everything that a corporate uh, giant would want. Uh, did you ever really have a, like a vision that you may do this for a long time? Or did you really know the travel bug is already bitten and it's it's just a matter of time before I bail out of here? You know, I would say the first year and a half that I was there, since the goal in terms of paying off my student loans and having money to travel, it was just so far away. And I'll, I, I'm happy to say how much I had in debt at that time. I had a negative net worth of like $65,000 mm. that I needed to pay off. And so, you know, especially when you first graduate, $65,000 was more than my starting salary. And of course, I, you know, had expenses in Washington, D.C., you know, still want to live a little bit. So it seemed very far away to achieve that goal. And so, you know, I think it was important at that time to go into the mindset that, yeah, this is going to be my life for quite a while. And there was probably sometimes maybe on a good day at work that I was like, yeah, maybe I could see myself doing this, but deep down inside of me, I knew that I wanted to travel. I just didn't know when would be the right time or how I would work it out until uh, I would say it was just about a year and a half later, I went on a trip with my girlfriend at the time. We did a three-week trip to Japan, Thailand, and Hong Kong. And so we took quite a bit of time off work. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring my camera with me. I was like, maybe I'll make a couple of videos. I really enjoyed it when I did it in Europe so many years ago. And this was November, 2017. So hmm. while I was there during those three weeks, I just kind of filmed everything I did. And I had such a great experience, like fully disconnecting from work, you know, because sometimes people say that one week when you only take one week off at a time, that the first couple of days, your mind's unraveling from yep. now not working. Yep. And then you have maybe one or two days in between. And then when you're however many two or three days away from coming back your mind starts to think about it just and dreading so, going back 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so this was like my first vacation I took in the corporate world where I was gone for three weeks where I was able to fully disconnect. And that is mm. when my passions just really started to, uh, the, let's put it this way, the sparks started to turn into an actual campfire. And mm. so a few months later, I was like, I'm going to start making some videos. And it was basically this whole mindset shift that I had. At that time, you know, I'd already paid off maybe 20, 30% of my student loans. I had been promoted probably twice at this point. So I was making a, a pretty decent living out there and able to start, you know, save, saving up and uh, paying things off. And I said, well, I'm still far away from this goal. I think I want to become a YouTuber. And what is it going to take? So I looked at many different details. You know, one of them was how much money do I need to travel the world per year? So I wanted to have a bit of a flexible budget for the reason being that if I was going to vlog, I didn't want to say no to certain excursions or activities because I wanted my content to have the ability to do some of these things in case that was the video that would help. And so I looked at that. I looked at how much money I still needed to pay for my loans. And then I looked at, hey, maybe I want to have some money that I save up like in case all things go wrong, this YouTube dream, this content creation dream you know, doesn't work out as I plan, at least I'll be able to, you know, have a little backup cash. And so putting all of those things together, I came up with how much money do I need to make? And so with that, I uh, used my Excel skills that I picked up in the corporate world. <laughs> the corporate <laughs> skills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I used them for my personal life. And I was like, all right, let's make a spreadsheet here, figure out how much money I'm making, how much money I'm spending out the door on expenses, how much I can put towards loans and how much I can uh, bank away and, you know, 401k, some investments, figure out the whole plan and work backwards from that number that I need to reach. Hmm. That is where I came up with my plan that I would become a tribal content creator once I achieved the dates of August 21st, 2019. Wow. 2019 rolls around. You've put together this master spreadsheet that you can thank your corporate job for. The one, the one skill that you walk away, you're like, you know, maybe those four or five years was worth it. And uh, you get that, you get that together. And you're like, this right here is my ticket to success. You start po posting those first YouTube videos. I know you put out uh, dozens of videos, Max, just early on, you know, just learning. You just, I know the last time we, we hung out together, you were saying, you know, you just, you love just making videos. I mean, that's what you learned from that Thailand trip. Uh, and you know, that, that some of the, the early trips that you're taking while you're still working in the corporate world, just loved making content, you know, so you put out dozens of videos, right. And, and those first couple of videos, dozens of videos, right. They were just getting a little attention, you know, and I can imagine in those moments, what, what were you thinking? I mean, when you were putting out those videos, you put so much time into them. I mean, heck I've watched, you know, some of your early, early videos and man, they're actually pretty good. Like I can tell you put a lot of thought and effort, you know, when, when it's only getting you know, a couple hundred views at the, at that time. And what were, what was your, what was your thought at that point? Yeah. Yeah. When you post those videos that you spend hours and hours and, you know, keep in mind, like when you're working a corporate job and you're also working more than 40 hours, you're working you know, 60, 80, hundred hours, some weeks. And, you know, at the time I had a significant other, which there's an amount of time you spend with them and you got to sleep mm -hmm. still. And so there's only so much time in the day. And so my, my goal, when I first came up with the financial goal, my YouTube goal, the consecration goal was to put out one video per week. I would go on these like, you know, one or two week vacations to the Caribbean or even sometimes just long weekends with, uh, with friends. And I would maybe film one video per day while I was there. And I would have content that would last me weeks because I would do one video per week. But those videos, going back to what I was saying, the time commitment, 
it would just take away so much of that free time in the evening, which uh, let's put it this way, it was, it was challenging for both my, the amount of time I've been in the corporate world. It was challenging taking that away from my relationship time with my girlfriend at the time. Totally. And, and she probably wasn't good with that. She, well, she was actually very supportive, but you know, I, I know there was a lot of nights she would like to, at least our first couple of years of the relationship where she would have liked to sit on the couch and watch Netflix with me, but instead I'm working on my own, you know, want to be Netflix series, if you will. Yeah. You're like, I don't want to watch YouTube. I want to create YouTube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and, and, and going off that point, that's actually what made it even harder sometimes because yeah. I would spend all this time, I would put these videos online and pretty much nobody would watch them. I would look at yeah. the, uh, the watch time on those maybe 100, 200 views I would get. And people would only be watching like 20% of it because I wouldn't mm. be able to hold the storyline. And so it's like, wow, I created this 10, 20, 30 minute video in some cases, and they're not getting traction. I mean, one year went by from February, 2018 to February, 2019. And I put out, you know, maybe somewhere around 30, 40, 50 videos. I, I didn't hit every single week's target, but I got most of them. And at mm. that point I was still maybe 1500 subscribers very early on for the amount of work that I had yeah. put in. So it was, it was a tough time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, I mean, it, it's a, test, a testament to you, your upbringing, right? You, you have already proven in, in your story alone that, that you're resilient and, and you're going to make, uh, you know, you're going to make, if you, if you have your mind set on something, you're going to make it happen. And, and obviously don't want to, uh, you know, get, go too quickly to, to where we're at now, but obviously many people are probably listening now and, and know who you are and, and have, have seen your presence on one of your platforms, but it's so interesting to see and to hear that it wasn't always that way, right? There were years, I mean, you just mentioned there was years where you put out content after content that didn't get any, hardly any attention. So that, um, yeah, that's, that's a, a really good point uh, to, to be, to be brought up is that it, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes it takes right. that resilience, just continue to put your head down and keep creating content. So obviously we're, we're at, uh, in 2019 at this point, you, uh, you're still working that full-time job. At what point did you were like, you know, make up your mind, I'm going to do this uh, social media thing full-time? Yeah, at that point, even though the the views weren't where I wanted them to be, I had that whole strategy because I just wanted to get my feet wet. I wanted to, I didn't want to take this huge leap of leaving the corporate world because it's a very life-changing thing going and becoming like a free-spirited traveler, if you will, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I didn't want to take that life change plus for the first time release my, my first YouTube video. So that was my approach in getting my feet wet, getting those videos going, even though they didn't have that, that traction I wanted. And so fast forward to that last kind of six, seven, eight months, my girlfriend and I, because we started the departure, because we both worked for the same company, we had this all planned together. And we um, were in our last couple of months getting ready to go. We were very excited. You know, I thought that even though I wasn't doing well then, I wanted to give myself the full chance, the full opportunity to go 200% into it once I actually left the company. So I, I will say that, yeah, as you mentioned, the resiliency and the, the hope and the excitement for traveling in general, the passion for travel was much larger than my concern about the subscriber base. So we got to August and it was time to depart. And it was one of those like moments of many emotions. I was like, wow, I'm leaving this prestigious corporate job. People were calling me crazy. They're like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to go and travel and you have like a great job. You know, you probably be even higher up in the company if you stayed a few more years, why would you do this? And for me, I just never felt fulfilled. You know, my yeah. passion 
well, well, there's nothing wrong with the corporate world. And I really enjoyed my experience and I treasure it there looking back on it. It just wasn't my specific calling for what my passion is. And so I knew that if I took this leap now, I would at least one day when I lay in my deathbed in the future, know that I tried doing something that I always dreamed about. And if it didn't work out, then I would just go ahead and restart. So I went in with that mindset and began traveling uh, basically like September 1st, 2019. Hmm. Man, that's, that's good, Mac. I mean, we, uh, as the consumer, I mean, obviously I can, I can lump myself in that. I, I love following your content and I can tell you that decision that you made to determine, should I continue the corporate world or should I pursue my passion? That was not just a decision you were making for yourself. I mean, you, you think about now all the people that are impacted because of your content, that decision has, has radically changed uh, a lot of people that follow along. They're very, very thankful. I'm thankful, you know, that you made that decision because your content is so inspiring and the message that you're putting out is so beneficial, you know? And so look at the impact that that one decision made. It didn't just change your life. It changed, you know, thousands of people's lives and, and what an impact that, uh, that that decision has, has made, uh, on you. So you're, you're 2019, August, 2019 full-time content creator. You hit the ground running. Uh, obviously we all know, uh, early 2020 hits COVID hits, uh, was a, was a really hard time for many people all, you know, all around, uh, the world, particularly I know it's difficult for you, Mac. I mean, as a full-time content creator, you just quit your job. I can imagine you're thinking, Oh shoot. Like I am a full-time content creator traveler and I can't travel. Like what, what were you, what was going through your mind at that point? Yeah, that part was a challenging part of my life. I went through those first five months of travel. I was focused just basically on YouTube, put out, you know, a fair amount of videos during that time I was traveling, but I, I enjoyed that those first five months, I just didn't really make any progress in terms of growth, maybe a couple thousand subscribers, a couple thousand new Instagram followers. But yeah, 2020 rolls around and I am back at home in February. I make a trip out to Spain and then I was going to move over to Southeast Asia towards the end of February, early March. And that's when the pandemic hit. And I just had something in my mind because I was going to meet a friend over in Sri Lanka. It's just something told me I should probably fly back from Spain and go home. A lot of people were doubting the pandemic at that time, but I was like, you know what? I don't want to get stuck anywhere. Maybe I'll hang out for another couple of weeks and see how things go. So of course, then as we all know, the, uh, the pandemic hit and the lockdown began. And this lockdown was a very tough stage for me because at this point, you know, I, I quit my job five months ago, six months ago at this point, and I hadn't really made any progress. The girlfriend I told you guys about that we were together for four years, we ended up splitting about a month before. Mm. And so I was back at home living with my parents. And while there's nothing wrong with that, I just had this huge insecurity in me. I just was like, whoa, I had this prestigious corporate job, a girlfriend, my life all planned out. And now I'm literally back at home. And I hadn't lived at home since I was 17 years old. At this point, mm. I was uh, 26 years old. And so it was just a whirlwind of my entire life. And I woke up pretty much every morning just contemplating, like, what did I do? Is this the right move? Mm-hmm. And that was like all of March. And going into April, I spent a little bit more time just figuring out how I can make other types of content. I downloaded TikTok, but I was still kind of on the edge. I was basically thinking, like, I'm not really making any money from this yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Here and there, maybe I'll, I'll get a couple of small gigs. 
and things like that. But the YouTube ad revenue, I believe in April that year was like $30 for the entire month. What do I do here? And, and ironically, that same month, I had gotten a job offer from a pretty prestigious company that was basically going to give me a similar package, maybe slightly nicer, and let's say a better brand name company. I was going to potentially work for them and it'd be a huge career opportunity. And I was at like a loss of what do I do? Because I kind of chased my dreams at that point. But then yeah. at the same time, like it didn't really even have a full chance. Like I didn't even do it for a full year. And so luckily I had my cousin who was visiting and we took a long bike ride down our local bike trail and just kind of talked. And I was like, his name's Robert. I call him Berto, like Berto. I was like, Berto, what do I do here? I was like, this job offers in front of me. I can make a lot more money while the pandemic's going on and maybe try for it again in a year or two years from now. Or I could, you know, keep myself busy. I had an idea to like, uh, maybe have a small course on how people could transition their life to traveling. I was like, do I do that? And maybe ride it out until the pandemic's over. And he's like, man, you've been talking about this for so many years. He's like the job offer, the corporate world, that's always going to be there. He's like, you're a hard worker, man. If you want that lifestyle again, if you want to have that exact job offer again, but you'll have other opportunities. And that kind of put my mind at rest because I think a lot of us will see that wow, we have this opportunity, we need to take it right now because it seems so good. But in reality, if, if you work hard towards something, I believe that you'll have other opportunities like that that'll come to you. And so after that bike ride, I was like, all right, I'm committed. I'm going to do this content creation thing. I'm going to give it at least another full year. And you know, he kind of knew me a little bit better than I did at that point since I was maybe at a bit of a vulnerable stage in my life. And I was a bit more concerned on, did I make the right decision? Did I not? Versus he saw me as kind of like, here's what your dreams and aspirations are. Let me reconnect to your mindsets. So you, uh, you finished that bike ride. I you know, would imagine you went home feeling super, super inspired. You know, I could always come back in the corporate world if, if that's what I want to do, but I'm going to give this some more, some more of an effort. Um, this is like you said, it was around the time TikTok came out or not came out, but time you, you invested in, in TikTok uh, heavily. Um, what, what, what kind of, what was the, the game plan at that point? You know, YouTube was the primary platform. I would imagine Instagram was, was played into that mix. Now TikTok's thrown in there. Like what, what's the strategy at that point? Um, you know, from, from your, your standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah. So when it came to the TikTok strategy, I had downloaded it maybe one month before that bike ride, but I was kind of just keeping myself busy when I wasn't um, editing some of my remaining content on YouTube. I was making some kind of like silly uh, coronavirus related, like meme type videos. I don't even want to tell you guys about them because I'm a little embarrassed now. <laughs> well, let's, let's put it this way. It's good that I transitioned back to travel, back to my niche. <laughs> Your niche was not going to stay COVID videos for long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, looking back at them now, I'm happy that I made that transition and I just started watching some TikToks, uh, found a few travel content creators. And I was like, what type of content are they making? Just to get some inspiration to get my, my juices flowing on how TikTok worked as a platform. And then, you know, what type of content do I already have filmed from previous countries that I was at? And how could I repurpose this for like short form videos? And so basically I remember like the turning points, um, end of April, early May, where when I just immediately changed everything on my TikTok to be travel content and so it was like you know three places you should visit in new zealand five things you should see in this world and you know so some of those easy ones where i could 
record the first part and then use some of my old clips to kind of mash something up, toss some music and some captions on it and see if I got anywhere. And um, it was another instance where I was expecting my first couple of videos. Once I moved over to travel, would take off. But as, as uh, the repetitive uh, scenario happens, those first few, maybe even those first 50, didn't get much traction, more than a couple hundred views. And I finally had one video, maybe about six weeks into this, where I showed, here's what you could do with $3,000. And it was basically explaining how you can spend a summer in Southeast Asia living the backpacker lifestyle and visit a couple like places like Thailand and Vietnam. And so that one got like 30,000 views. And at that time, that was like mega virality for me. And I was like, dad, dad, you know, because I, I was living with my dad. I was like, I got a video, I got 30,000 views. So finally to have one, it was like, Honestly, it was like a New Year's, a New Year's celebration for me. I felt like I had some sort of revelation in my life. <laughs> and so, so that, that, that was that spark that reignited the flame that I needed. And so from there, we're talking May timeframe. And we planned a trip with my friends to do a road trip. And keep in mind, we're still mid-pandemic. The only trip you can really get away with at that time is doing like nature hikes. And so me and a small group of friends decided... Let's go ahead and travel. And that's where I continued making the TikToks and had some more success with them. Yeah, 30,000 yeah. in, in a single video to now nearly 300,000, you know, people that regularly consume your content. I mean, what, uh, what an amazing journey, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, I bet uh, you didn't realize when you got that first, that first video, um, you know, what, what this would, uh, you know, how this would turn out. You know, and I think that's, that's such a uh, true testament. I mean, that, that probably gave you just the right amount of inspiration at the right time to say, you know what, I think there's, there's opportunity here. I should, uh, should lean in a little more. Definitely. Yeah. So once, once I had gotten some traction uh, and, you know, generally speaking, when you're going on a new platform, there's a lot of opportunity. And I remember thinking back when I first had that video go viral and I was like, you know what, there's actually a lot of opportunity for this because at that time I'd been on TikTok, you know, scrolling through the For You page and getting an idea of what's out there. And there wasn't that much content out there on travel. There was just some people doing what I'm doing and some nice like montages. And so I was like, I had this moment where I remembered when I was in high school and I had just downloaded Snapchat back in the uh, Snapchat days when it first came out. And I remember telling, maybe it was my older siblings. It was someone like maybe five, just a few years older than me. And they were like, no, no, that's for kids. And then I also remember a few years after that, all of them, as well as people decades older, like parents were also on Snapchat. Yeah. So, so true. Yeah. I just kind of had that reminder where I was like, whether us older people, you know, like 22 and above, we don't like to admit always that the younger generation kind of knows what's coming next and they do. And mm -hmm. TikTok was what they were all on at that point. And mm -hmm. so I thought back to my own experience when I was that age and I said, there is a lot of opportunity here. And I knew it was yeah. possible that there was an audience if I continued to get better and better. And that's, that's an important thing when it comes to people viewing TikTok and they want to become content creators, I would say it's important to watch how those videos are edited. You know, we, we all like to enjoy them for entertainment, but also look at the level of detail that goes fast paced cuts, you know, mm. caption changes and things like that. So over the next couple of months, I really paid attention, not just to travel creators, just people on TikTok and how they made it, how they made me stay on their video. What was attracting mm. me? 
what was pulling me in. And so during that time, I just kept making my TikToks better and better. At least I believe they were better and better and brought in more and more views. I mean, it was, it was really giving you the proof that you needed, that you were headed in the right direction. Absolutely. It, it gave me that confidence that maybe I was a bit still insecure about, but since TikTok, I think a, maybe a fair point to add in, in this scenario is a lot of the times people get a bit nervous to put themselves out there on social media. Mm-hmm. I believe with Instagram and Facebook, you have such a close direct connection to the people that are closest to you. And a lot of the time, the people that are closest to you have a really positive influence on you. But in some cases, the people that are closest to you also have a negative influence on you because you might overthink the social judgment, which then you mm. bless yourself. Mm. And I believe TikTok was that step that I needed to kind of break myself away from my life. And that, that, that uh, I would imagine is the, you know, the inspiration that you need, or at least the confidence that you needed uh, to just put your, put yourself out there. I mean, that, uh, you know, as a, as, as a content creator, that's one of the hardest thing is, is being vulnerable. And, and, and there's a point in which you recognize vulnerability exists and, and there's a point at which you're okay with it, you know? And I know for you, Mac, I mean, I bet that was a pivotal time, uh, you know, in, in your journey, you know, that moment where you're like, well, I'm going to put these videos out on TikTok because I mean, now you're, you know, I know you're creating daily vlogs. I mean, you're on Instagram, you're on TikTok, you're on YouTube, you know, you're on all these platforms, constantly putting videos out. And so um, there's no hiding what Mac is doing every day. (laughs) So I can imagine that was uh, that, that point of vulnerability and accepting that vulnerability put a huge uh, impact into what you're, you're doing now with those, those daily vlogs. Absolutely. It was, it was like, I was released from this, this glass ceiling that lives in a lot of our minds, you know, this, this just concern that you might fail. And so how much of yourself are you willing to put out there? Yeah. I believe that's, that, that's a key for anyone listening is, you know, social media, people want to get to know the real you. And yep. it's a bit scary to share that with the world, but the more, you know, the friends you have like you because of who you are. And uh, yeah, I, I would say throughout, throughout the rest of that year is when I really, you know, hyper-focused on that until, until 2021, where, where things really started to pick up. And, you know, at this point I had, you know, maybe 6,000 YouTube subscribers, maybe eight, 9,000 Instagram followers, but I had a nice portion that was giving me this motivation, this confidence to really push TikTok. And that was, you know, somewhere around 55, 60,000 followers in the early January timeframe. So, so tell us, because uh, uh, things did pick up very quickly for you, but it, it was partly because you had uh, made a decision, unlike a lot of travel uh, uh, people, they, they, they're, you know, you were going into the Middle East, into countries where most people weren't really going into and sharing uh, the life and lifestyle of, the, of these people. Talk about how, how that evolved for you. Absolutely, yeah. So 2021 is this year is when I've done all of my Middle Eastern travel. And how it all kind of started was I wanted to visit Dubai and do like a Dubai and Egypt trip. And so, you know, those were the months of, uh, let's see here, February uh, through March was when I spent time there. And I had no idea. And uh, unfortunately, you know, coming from, you know, the Western world, you, you've only heard, or most of the time, you only hear negative things about the Middle East over the last couple of decades with a lot of the things going on. And so the, the, the general media portrays it not always in the best way. And hmm. of course, I, I know there's always 
you know, two sides to every coin. That's what the media shows because, of course, that's the breaking news. And then there's also a full civilization that lives there and has a lifestyle, enjoys their life and, you know, in their circumstances. And so it really drove me to want to visit those places. And Dubai and Egypt was like a good way to kind of lightly penetrate my travels into the Middle East. Mm. And I had just such a, um, a breakdown with the barriers there that in terms of like, wow, this is the Middle East. There's such an incredible lifestyle out here, the hospitality, the kindness in these people's hearts and the openness to, you know, just have general day-to-day conversations on so many different things just opened up my mindset in, in such a unique way. And so um, then basically in the last four months or so, I've done quite a bit of Middle East travel and, and kind of probably the most important one I would highlight that had basically a life-changing impact on me and my brand is when I uh, left on July 21st to head over to Lebanon, a place that is currently going through a really bad economic crisis. And, you know, many have heard of the Beirut explosion about a year, three months ago, August 4th, 2020. And so it's, you know, really faced so many different um, economical and, and physical damages to it. But I ended up making a trip out there and my mindset at that time was, you know, if the economic situation gets worse, you know, I might not get an opportunity to go. So made another vlogger, uh, Luke Demands, we made a trip out uh, to Lebanon. And we only planned to stay for two weeks and basically going into the first two weeks of this past August. And so I was uh, at this point, you know, maybe uh, 200,000, a little over 200,000 uh, followers on my TikTok account. So I was investing a lot of time on TikTok. And I hadn't started with the daily vlogs yet on YouTube, but I definitely was still putting out some YouTube content. And so we, we immediately started traveling Lebanon. And in the first two weeks, I put out a bunch of TikTok videos. And, you know, just for those who are wondering, the way the TikTok algorithm works, and this is just a really important point for anyone that, you know, wants to create travel TikToks, is when you have a local SIM card in, the people that TikTok pushes it out to first are local. And so mm. Lebanon is a country of less than 10 million people. It's a very small country in terms of population. And then it's only a fraction of that that are on TikTok that are, you know, within mm. that generation that are, that are already um, on TikTok. And so basically in, in those first couple of weeks, I made a bunch of videos and, and basically had overnight, I don't want to say overnight fame, but, you know, within two weeks, I was all of a sudden like getting recognized everywhere. And I was like, oh, wow, like this is uh, something that I'd never really experienced. I had, you know, success on TikTok, but I'd never like had had such a such success in one specific place. And it, it wasn't just any success on, hey, wow, I'm getting a lot of views. It was, it was a different type of success because, you know, just once again, to repeat the point is that Lebanon is in a really hard place. So basically people were exposed to all of this negative media, you know, over the last couple of years since the economic crisis that hit the Lebanese people specifically. And all of a sudden there's these vloggers, me and Luke that are coming in and we're showing these amazing sides of Lebanon. We're sharing the hospitality, daily things that happen to us, meeting nice people and they invite us in to their homes. And we were really showing this side of Lebanon that many people in that country have been so drowned by the challenges going on right now. They had kind of forgotten some of the great parts about their own culture, the beauty, both physically and internally. And, you know, we had no idea really the impact we were having on people. We were just, you know, enjoying the country and meeting people and, you know, sharing our experiences in, in, a, in a nicely edited way. 
during, during that time there, I had just been absolutely overwhelmed with, I kid you not, in two months that I was there, probably 10,000 plus messages on Instagram. And it wasn't just, Hey, thanks for coming to Lebanon. Like some of these were like three to four paragraphs. And it was just this like absolute life-changing moment where I arrived to this place, shared the content, shared great stories, people stories. And all of a sudden, all of these, you know, Lebanese people were, were telling me they were in tears that this brought them basically a new excitement, a new hope, a new basically belief in a better Lebanon. And that was just such a moment for me where I was like, I'm doing something I'm passionate about and I'm also helping people. And it had this almost superpower effect on me, this, this inspiration that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm really going to make the most out of this because now it's not just, you know, for me to work on these experiences, I'm creating this content, doing what I'm doing, but I'm actually able to, you know, help in some way that I would have never even imagined. Yeah. And I remember, uh, Mac, when we first connected uh, and, and hung out, it was, you were in, in Lebanon. And I remember when we were just chatting, you were, you know, in the, in that moment had just gotten some messages from, from some people and just how their lives were changed and how they so greatly appreciated you putting a light on their country. Cause listen, everyone loves their country, you know, and, and, and no one wants their country to, uh, to be seen in, in the light of, in a negative context. And so here you were, bringing a, a good positive light to, to the country. I mean, you were just simply, hey, he, I'm here in Lebanon and this country is amazing. I mean, this country is really beautiful and here's some beautiful aspects of the country. And, and I can imagine that uh, when people see that content, that makes them feel so good, right? And then when you hear from those people, that makes you feel good, right? It's like, I'm so, I'm so glad that I can bring such positivity to these people because that's ultimately what we care about. As humans, we just, we want to make this world a, a better place. We want to leave it better than, uh, better than, than when we entered into it. And I guess in this period between Lebanon and Jordan, that's when you really had this idea to, to do daily uh, YouTube vlogs. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, right when I was still in Lebanon, during the uh, second month I was there, so just a couple of weeks before we first spoke, I, that was when I kind of had that you know, moment where I was like, wow, this, this content, you know, exactly as you said, it's, it's changing people's lives, whether it's in a you know, small or large way. And I was like, I want to put, you know, 200% at this point into what I'm doing. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing on TikTok that's working. And then I'm also going to transition how I was doing my content. Because I believe that being open to change, no matter what you do in this world, is such an important thing for your own growth. And mm -hmm. that change for me was... You know, I used to be a bit more of a cinematic storyteller along with some vlogging. It was more like, you know, here are things to do in X place, which are great yeah. and helpful videos, you know, for the right uh, audience and for the right thing. But I didn't love, love them, to be honest with you, you know, the travel guides and the things to do on, on YouTube. They were a lot of work and they didn't really have the results that I wanted. More importantly, they didn't have the connection with people. And so when I went yeah. to Lebanon, Lebanon gave me that thought of, you know, I'm going to put all my heavy camera gear away. I'm going to take my GoPro along with my buddy, Luke Demance, who's, who does a similar style video. And we're just going to make more raw daily vlogs of talking to people, checking places mm -hmm. out, getting their experience and, you know, hearing about their experiences, trying foods, just a much more like day in the life. What's it like to be in these places around the world? And I was, I was going to do seven days of daily vlog and then, you know, the Lebanese people really enjoyed them. And that was during the second month I was there in September. 
then it turned into two weeks. Then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it until October 15th, which would get me through the rest of Lebanon. And then my, my first two weeks in Iraq where I went to after, and then it just kept going and going. And now, now I'm three months in and uh, almost three months of daily vlogs. And I'm pretty sure I'll do daily vlogs for 365 more days. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> a lot of work though, I can imagine. Yeah. So, so from, a, I guess from a, a monetization standpoint, uh, you know, Mac, I, I know I mean, this is what you're doing, doing full time and, and obviously traveling this much. Um, it's uh, presumably not free. Um, so I'd imagine, uh, you know, this, uh, this, this content creation, you know, world that you, you exist in. I mean, you, you gotta, gotta make money from it. What's your sh- you know, what's your strategy? What's the best way that you have seen, I guess, over these, I guess, recent, uh, recent months that you have been, um, you know, as, as the daily vlogging, is that, is that, you know, have you found that as a, as a great way to, to monetize or what's like, what's the best way you have seen from a monetization standpoint for, for content creators? Yeah, I would say from a monetization standpoint, you know, the best experiences to shed light on are in 2021 for me. Because I've had enough exposure in this time to to give my two cents on it. And mm. earlier this year, uh, let's put it this way: starting from the beginning, there, there's no doubt that the higher following uh, counts, the more leverage, the more negotiation power you have. Mm-hmm. So earlier this year, while I was still, you know, before I had reached the daily vlogging, I, you know, wasn't making much on YouTube. Uh, a fair amount, it all contributed. Yep. one of the frequent revenue streams because you know like in anything in the world i believe not putting all your eggs in one basket and diversifying is an important thing mm-hmm. um, so like i had youtube going a small revenue stream there but i was more focused on building uh you know TikTok and those partnerships because a lot of companies have seen you know how powerful short form content marketing is and so that's been my focus this year is a lot of uh TikTok partnerships which are very very profitable However, you know, long-term, I don't want as many advertisements in my content because it just kind of doesn't really fit the puzzle piece. And mm. I, I've had that realization that I'll still do some, but I would like to not depend on that revenue stream as much. And so it, it's an important thing. The reason why I'm sharing that is because it depends on the type of content you're, you're doing and the type of brands you're working with and how it is absorbed into your own personal brand. And it's just an important thing to think about because you know your your audience follows you for specific things, and if you're if you're a travel content creator and you're maybe showing a watch that has nothing to do with travel, you know it might it might be a negative effect on your brand. And so you really got to think about it. You know how how do those things work out? And so for me, I I want to move those revenue streams towards YouTube, where I can just be making money from what I love most. And you know this year has been what has totally fueled that energy. And, and these daily vlogs help me to connect people rather than, you know, before I, I well, I love my, my cinematic storytelling and things to do videos. Now I'm showing more of the culture to other people that may not ever make that step to connect to those cultures. And so those comments that I get on YouTube that are, hey, wow, you know, I'm actually maybe considering going to visit Jordan now after I've seen your stories and things like that is, is the number one thing that I um, hold most dearly to me with content creation that is inspiring others to do things that have, you know, made me a better person as I mm. meet people from many cultures. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, Mac. Well, you've already alluded to it. You, you know, you, uh, as we enter into to this new year, you, you, uh, you have more countries that you want to impact and you want to change. Uh, I know, I think what makes your style so unique, Mac, is I, I know that, uh, 
the country that you visit next, you know, and the countries that are, are, are up ahead, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of planning or, you know, you know, in terms of, of what, uh, what it looks like. Uh, but if you can kind of share a little bit about what this uh, upcoming year uh, holds for you. Yeah. You know, when it comes to travel, you're, you're spot on, Brad. I like to keep things more and more flexible now. <laughs> more and more, more, unit. yeah, just an anonymous uh, decision where the viewers like, where's Mac headed next? I don't know. Must subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Does Mac know? No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, does Mac know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's kind of the reality because as I go to some of these unique places, you know, whether it's visas or things like that, you kind of got to shift your mindset sometimes. Just be like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, go with the flow and work it out. But you mm-hmm. know, going back to the question here, I would say I plan to do quite a bit more Middle East travel, um, probably some of Southeast Asia, if things start to, you know, cool down from COVID restrictions and outbreaks and things like that. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, Mac, I'm so excited. Of course, I, you know, I, I follow along uh, closely with you and I love, love, uh, Love your content and excited to see where, where you head next. And I'm sure other people listen to this know know who you are. And there's probably some that, that don't know who you are. And, and we want to give the opportunity for, for our listeners to be able to connect with you. And and um, I, I definitely would uh, would highly advise following along uh, Max Journey. What a amazing guy and, and truly a good individual. So if you can, Mac, um, kind of give uh, give our followers an opportunity to, to connect with you. What's the best way for them to, to follow along? Yeah, thank you, Brad. I really appreciate those words about my content. Basically, if uh, I'll explain me, maybe the three platforms I use most and how they're going to be relevant. Instagram, it gets an inside look of you know some of the daily things that I do, uh, meeting locals, sharing kind of short stories in my Instagram posts, and um, you know get some inspiration for some of these places. And find me at World Nomad there, and more for the more raw videos as I explore and meet locals. And it's a bit of a series on YouTube as I go through each country. That's a way to really connect to some of these places. And I believe that is the area where you'll be, you'll have your perceptions of places change the most because there's many, many people's stories and interactions that I, I believe you would enjoy watching. Uh, that's also World Nomad, all of my platforms are World Nomad. And uh, also on TikTok, it's at World Nomad. And those are shorter form videos, full, uh, you know, storytelling of things you can do in places as well as just kind of uh, interesting things that happen around the world and the countries I visit, both funny and informative. And uh, so I hope I have some content that can match your likings, but those are the three main areas where I share my story. That's awesome, Mac. Well, we do, we do appreciate uh, your time today and, and hearing your story. I love, uh, I love the journey and I love hearing, hearing how you started and, and where you're at now. It's, it is, uh, it is such a cool, honestly, a cool uh, story to relate with. And, and like I said, excited to see where you, you go from here. So we appreciate, uh, appreciate you being on the show today and, and uh, look forward to, to following along. Thank you both so much. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you guys. And uh, I love what you guys are doing. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you are not a subscriber to the Passion to Brand podcast, please do subscribe. If you're interested in being on the podcast, please write to me at brett at passiontobrand.com or send me a message on Instagram at passiontobrand. This episode was produced by Candace Bodenbender with Max Drive Marketing and music composed by Trevor Michael Music. Thanks again for listening.